1: This is the Lombardi Line with Ben
0: Wilson and Mike Pritchard on VSN. Hey everyone, welcome in. It's another edition of the Lombardi Line presented by BetMGM live from downtown Las Vegas, Circus Sportsbook Studios right off Fremont Street, and it is your Tuesday crew each and every week we start this first day in November with Mike Pritchard, former NFL wide receiver, college football national champion. I'm Ben Wilson. Just when we thought we had things kind of figured out in the AFC North, Mike, Bengals, Ravens, good; Brown Steelers, bad. Last night completely flipped the pendulum with a blowout Brown win, and we're left saying, "What now in that division?"
2: Yeah, you know, home dog situation, which was intriguing to me from a, a from a teaser standpoint. So I was able to cash a, a ticket, and uh, I know of a few fellas out here in Northtown, North Las Vegas, the syndicate. Uh, I've yeah, had to get an invite to the private. Well, Teaser syndicate. I know, I know, I know. It, it's 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 a club, man. It's uh it's it's exclusive. But no, I'll you've you've met a, a few of them, but um, I know there's an initiation process. <laughs> I'm mentally preparing. They cashed a fifteen teamer. Uh, it was a it was a teaser card parlay. Uh It was one of those cards that you can find at like the My palms so- are getting. Yeah, know. silver ten. yeah, I'll show you the ticket. Um, but it's it's incredible. Uh, now they had to hedge it. And so, and that's the thing, too. I mean, nobody expects a blowout like this, like we saw last night uh, on Monday Night Football. But uh, as noted during the Pro Football Blitz, which I do on the weekend, and then certainly um, Lombardi line yesterday with Michael and and, and Patrick, uh, you know, it's Monday Night Football, man. And and a lot of times as players, you get amped up, you get uh, fired up for this situation, and you get to showcase who you are. You get to showcase what you're about, too. So you get your best effort, a lot of best efforts, Uh, out there. It's unfortunate for Cincinnati went into that game without Jamar Chase and we had not seen this version of the Bengals without a a premium playmaker like that. And uh, man, they struggled. I I thought the game plan was flawed uh, and they could not execute on offense side of the ball.
0: Reason why I say just when we thought we'd figured out this team was because previous two weeks nearly 80% completions for Joe Burrow Mm -hmm. nearly 400 yards a game passing six touchdowns no picks and then last night well under 300 yards, 15 first downs, under five yards of play. And once again, the offensive line issues were there with right. four new starters, five sacks taken by Joe Burrow. He is yet again on a pace to lead the league in most sacks taken. big step back. Where do we go from here, though, with Cincinnati?
2: Well, as betters, I mean, look at it this way. Um, the league is now shifting into the matchup phase. So what you saw from Cleveland, I mean, Miles Garrett off the edge was incredible, right? And then, uh, what you saw from others uh, on that on that side of the ball from a matchup standpoint, they felt pretty good about that. And it, one of the things about divisional play and, and familiarity is you look across the field and you're like, okay, I know how to beat that guy. Uh, I've done it before and, and I've had success against that person before. Okay, let me make sure that I, I'm on point with everything I need to do. And mm-hmm. uh, so divisional play, which we're going to see more and more of, uh, we're going to see more familiarity, certainly. And then now that teams have seen you on tape, it's about matchups. So from a capping standpoint, at least for me, uh, I've been really going through matchups starting from the inside out, the trenches and working my way out, uh, as well as the team totals system that I've been using. Uh, and that's been helpful, Ben. So how do you look at the Bengals? I mean, each and every week, and I think you should do this with any team, each and every week look at uh, the situation, but starting with those matchups, the key the key matchups.
0: You would have thought, too, with the everything you said, mm-hmm. the way these teams in Cincinnati and Cleveland so familiar with each other, Cleveland came in with the worst rush defense in the league. <laughs> right. You had the number one wide receiver for the Bengals out. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't the natural thought process from Zach Taylor as a play caller been, let's establish the run a little more? Well, Instead, Joe Mixon, 10 carries, under 30 yards as a team, right around three yards a carry, and could never establish that. I get part of that is game script, and you fall behind 25 nothing. But still,
2: that's a pretty glaring week staring right at you in a division rival. Well, how do you get better in a running game? Uh, you can't hit... The CBA uh, does not allow for you to go out there and work on a running game like you should, like you need to. Uh, and we know about Cincinnati all year long, they haven't really had a potent running game, rushing attack. And uh, there's no excuse for it. I mean, teams are playing too high safeties, making it so difficult on Burrow. They're getting pressure on him with, with four and cert- certainly some blitz looks, uh, and that's not making it easier at all. But when you're compromised because you don't have a Jamar Chase who can command mm-hmm. attention uh, then that's a problem too. I, I thought T. Higgins is a number one guy, but obviously, uh, if you're if you're Cleveland, you can match up with that guy. You feel like anyway, uh, and we saw that last night. So it, it goes to that: uh, what you want to do, what you can do, uh, two different things in the National Football League. The Cincinnati Bengals cannot run the football. Or at least they're not threatening uh, in that manner to force Cleveland to be different defensively.
0: You just wonder. Maybe those last two weeks against an 18th-ranked pass defense of the Saints, 29th-ranked pass defense of Atlanta, where we may be just assuming that that stretch we saw at the end of last year with Cincinnati on Mm -hmm. the road to the Super Bowl, we get a little bit too in front of ourselves thinking, well, this is is a team that is back on that same sort of flow. Because Joe Burrow, still, for all those issues he's had, Mike, getting sacked, his release time throwing the ball, it's third fastest in the NFL. It's not an issue with him going through his progressions too slowly or waiting to throw the football, that's improved massively. Mm -hmm. All that investment on the offensive line, though,
2: just hasn't shown up yet, and you wonder when will it? Well, think about last year's offensive line for Cincinnati, too. Like, we talked so much about how many sacks they allowed, but that offense still produced a 4,500-yard passer, 2,000-yard receivers, and a 1,000-yard rusher, you know, all at the age of 25 or younger, and um, that's a lot of production. That production led them to the Super Bowl. Uh, but they did change, and they felt like they upgraded, talking about the Bengals here. Mm-hmm. But the rushing game, because now teams have uh, – they know ways to defend you, uh, unlike they did last year, right? And you look at the matchups and, uh, okay, Boyd, uh, can we can we muddy up the middle of the field and, and uh, disguise things that way so Burrow is holding on to the ball? Who, who knows? I mean, there's there's so many factors in it. But – now that we're entering November, Ben, you you have to have key matchups. You have to have go-to players that you can get to uh, and get the ball to and create matchups with. Uh, and I, I think the Bengals, with this injury to Jamar Chase, they're compromised a little bit. Zach Taylor's going to have to be better. Like I mentioned, I, I thought you could use Mixon in a passing game. Do something creative mm-hmm. other than what teams <laughs> practice on a card against all week long preparing for you, right? But that's what... That's what that game was. The Cleveland Browns played the cards that the scout team represented or, or the look team gave them the entire week, uh, and, and it showed. I mean, the Bengals were not ready for that game. And this is a Cleveland team
0: now on the other side. You win in a blowout fashion, cover. That, that line was as high as 3.5 before coming back down to a flat 3 at mm-hmm. close. Total, a push at 45. couple of books ended 45 and a 45.5. Possibly would have gone under if you took a, a very – a good favorable number for yourself, at least if you wanted the under. But this is a Cleveland team that's now three and five with four losses by a combined nine points, Mike. And most of the general narrative, though, in the betting market is completely fraudulent team with a poor decision maker in game and head coach Kevin Stefanski and a really bad defense that can't seem to get off the field ever. Were we a little too harsh on Cleveland with all those close losses that very easily could have flipped and uh, a team that could be Six and two, or five and three, right now.
2: You know what? No, not really, because I think with Jamar Chase out there, I think Cincinnati would have been different. Um, And maybe from a confidence standpoint, from Joe Burrow and that offense, uh, defensively, uh, you know, that was a game in which that defense just wore down because the offense was off the field, like they couldn't generate a lot of drives. And and, you know, you look at uh, certain aspects of that game, uh, Ben. uh, Yeah, yeah, defense wore down, and, and the running game too for Cleveland is pretty potent. So. Uh, I, I think Jamar Chase that that's going to be a big miss. Uh, I, I know they're reluctant to put him on IR and for good reason. See, that's an indicator when a team like that no, we're not putting him on IR because we're hopeful we can get him back sooner. That means they need the guy, right? And even when the timeline they come out and say <laughs> four to six weeks, <laughs> right. and you're thinking, wait, no. Put him on IR. IR. I know. Okay. I know. Yeah. So that that's an indicator. Again, that that's just. Being optimistic or too optimistic as an organization I ah, know we can get him back we can get him back and so uh, but that's also letting everybody know that they need that guy and so here you go with the Cincinnati Bengals burrow with the appendectomy having to play catch up behind eight ball at the beginning of the year now they're going to have to uh, readjust again uh, without the great receiver Jamar Chase and a
0: team you look at on the, uh, the similar side if you want to do comparisons to a team with a struggling revamped offensive line Kansas City last year right this time Three and four. This was actually the week last year. Kansas City was coming off the Sunday Night Football drubbing of Las Vegas. Mm-hmm. Where we finally started to see some cohesion there. How similar would you put those two teams? I know there's a lot of a lot of apples to oranges comparison there. But the offensive line is that one consistent between last year's Kansas City right. and this year's
2: Cincinnati. No, I mean, I think if you believe in Joe Burrow, if you think he's that type of player, um, then they'll get it together. They'll, they'll figure it out. You know, when you have a Patrick Mahomes, you're going to figure it out, right? Uh, so... I think the Bengals, they're running out of time to figure it out. Uh, You look at the situation within that division, um, it it gets dicey them because from a division standpoint, they're 0-3 within their own division. And so how competitive is this team? The the, the true mark of a competitive team to me is how you perform when people know you uh, within your division. And being 0-3 right now uh, inside the AFC North, that's no bueno. (laughs) <laughs> no so, it is not no and Baltimore's um, moved up to the right. largest favorite they have been all season we're showing on
0: our screen minus 335 at bet MGM that has ticked up even more this morning on the mm-hmm. west coast up to minus 350 now on Baltimore and that's partially what you just talked about and also a very light schedule going forward which we will get into in our next segment with the Ravens
2: after a, a trade acquisition they made yesterday right right no I it's, it's going to be a highly competitive situation that's just a culture division I mean Pittsburgh Falling apart. We know about that. But Cleveland's still in it. And they're going to add Deshaun Watson, which that's a wild card. We don't know what that's going to look like when uh, he gets back on the field. You just
0: thought, though, from Cincinnati, we had this discussion last week. After Buffalo, Kansas City, and Philadelphia, Mm -hmm. Who is the fourth best team? A lot of smart, (laughs) respected people. Or like,
2: Cincy, that is your fourth best team. And now, don't you have to reassess that today? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, I, you know, without Jamar Chase, they're not the same team. It's like the Rams without Whitworth and Odell Beckham Jr. and Von Miller. Like, they're yeah. not a Super Bowl Cooper team. Cup, who Cooper has Cup.
0: serious injury concerns heading into this week, which we will yeah. talk about a little bit later this hour. Pack show for you today. We have our Tuesday regulars. Will Hill, VEASAN analyst, joins us later this hour. And then Josh Applebaum, host of VEASAN Morning Daily best joins us at 1.30 on the East Coast. Up next, though, we mentioned Baltimore. Big trade for Roquan Smith. What does that do to the Ravens going forward? How should we evaluate the Bears in the betting market as well. We'll get into that next here on the Lombardi Line.
1: You're listening to the Lombardi Line on
2: VC with Ben Wilson and Mike Pritchard.
0: It is time to download Nevada's premier sports betting app at Bet MGM Sports. At MGM is all of your favorite wagering options along with in-game betting, boosted odds specials, and much more. Download the BetMGM app today and stop by any MGM casino on the Strip with your state-issued ID to open an account and start placing sports bets from anywhere in Nevada. Whatever your sport, whatever your betting style, you're going to love BetMGM state-of-the-art technology and fan-friendly specials every day of the week. Visit BetMGM for terms and conditions. Must be 21 or older and physically located in Nevada. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. Not only do we flip the calendar to November, Mike, it's trade deadline day across the National Football League. We've already seen one move today that was not a trade, but a firing offensive coordinator in Indianapolis outs, which we will discuss in our next (laughs) segment. But we figure trades are going to be coming fast and furious here over the next couple of hours. We have seen an increase each season uh, by a multiple of a couple as the trade deadline has been pushed further back now over the past decade or so in the NFL. Biggest move, though, that comes out yesterday, and we now look at the impacts going forward for a couple of teams, and the Bears and Ravens, Last week, Bears trade away Robert Quinn, one anchor of a defense that was middle of the pack. Not mm-hmm. great, but still a team that was a unit that was keeping the Bears in some games early in the season. Then they trade away Roquan Smith to Baltimore. You see the particulars of the deal, a couple of future draft picks and a reserve linebacker in A.J. Klein as well head to Chicago. So a Bears defense on that front that's now 28th in EPA per play allowed overall largely due to giving up 49 points and seven and a half yards per play last week against Dallas. You couple that with an improved quarterback in Justin Fields, who's actually looked pretty feisty running the football. They've put up nearly 30 points each of the last two weeks, averaging over 30 a game. Is it weird to say this, Mike, but the Bears are now a lock over team? From a game-to-game betting standpoint, with how bad the offense is—or sorry, how bad the defense is—but how much improvements we've seen here offensively.
2: Yeah, I mean, look at the roster is decimated in terms of uh, the talent that you would like to have for for a competitive situation. It's like the train keeps leaving the station. Khalil Mack, uh, Quinn, <laughs> Roquan Smith, and uh, there's no train coming to Chicago right now. Uh, but uh, no, I, you give credit to Ibrflus and, and Ryan Poles for having this plan and. Uh, I think you and I talked about this where they, they had the same type of agent and so this plan was in place. If we ever hook up and uh, as GM and coach, we're going to have a, a vision on what we want to do in terms of building a team. Uh, and that's what they're doing. They're, they're going to start over and build a team and build this roster. And and from the looks of it, uh, they, might have, they might have their franchise quarterback. I mean, Justin Fields is getting better in a situation that is impossible to get better in uh, with that football team. So, yeah, I mean, the try hard, nature of that offense uh being simplistic but still being able to run the ball very effectively and then uh, Justin Fields making plays too I I think you could look at this team as an over team because defensively how are they going to get after it you know I when we get to the matchup phase they're really going to be exposed because they don't have the players to match up against uh, other teams and and the weapons that they're going to create on the other side mm-hmm. so uh look at that schedule uh try to discern if you can uh, if you want to be picky about perhaps looking at some totals and the over situations for this football team.
0: We, we don't have the updated win totals out yet. Mm-hmm. Those are reposted at BetMGM late in the day on Tuesday. We'll have them for you tomorrow, but that's a team who's, they found ways to stay competitive in games, yet from a personnel standpoint, clearly a build for the future. Mm-hmm. And this is a Bear team. We were just pulling up the cap space numbers for next year. It's pretty wild. Bears have almost 121 million in cap space going into next year at this point. Right.
2: Second on the list with the most cap space is the Falcons at almost half that. I know. How about <laughs> that? Wild. Yeah. How about that? And, and the thing about the Falcons, and, and they're in a good situation because they got Marcus Mariota right now. And and I've been saying this for several weeks. Like, what are they going to do at quarterback? We saw Marcus kind of break out of that shell, uh, you know, averaging 151 yards passing uh, till he gets over 200 yards. But he still threw a, a critical pick. Uh <laughs> that could have led to a loss right there at home. So, I think there's probably a decision to be made, and I know they drafted Ritter, but I mean, he's not pushing Marcus Mariota at this point. So, um, it'd be interesting to see what the Falcons do, but for the Bears, man, they have a a, a blank canvas, really, uh, to build this thing, and uh, it looks like they can build it around Justin Fields, though. If you looked at the six quarterbacks who were drafted Last season in 2021, Trevor
0: Lawrence, number one overall, Zach Wilson of the Jets, Trey Lance in San Francisco, Mac Jones in New England, Mm -hmm. Davis Mills in Houston. Isn't there a case to be made? Fields, if you're looking at the rebuild right now, based on what we've seen in a small sample size of a year and a half,
2: you have to like what you're seeing compared to all the struggles we're seeing with those other guys, right? Yeah, I I think you do, considering what's around Fields, too. Like... I mean, we always say this, that, you know, if Patrick Mahomes was drafted to the Jets, what would the Jets be, right? And Or, or you know, it's teams like that, mm-hmm. teams that are just in the basement all the time. Uh, but if you go to an organization and you can sit Patrick Mahomes or you can sit in Aaron Rodgers or, or you know, Tom Brady steps into a, a role. I mean, it, it's not like these guys have that pressure immediately, but Justin Fields for whatever reason, they sat him last year to start the year. And then, you know, you know, they, they all they did was pause and slow down the progression and development of this player. And so we're seeing Justin Fields evolve. Now, I, I, he's not a finished product. Don't, don't get me wrong. Uh, but typically, it takes about 20 to 24 starts to truly evaluate what a quarterback is in the National Football League. Justin Fields is, I think he's at 20 career games right now. Uh, so he's got some more time, but... In an impossible situation as they're rebuilding it so i think the bears have said this he's doing some good things he can get mm-hmm. better certainly can get better but it feels like the bears uh might want this guy to be their guy but they have a number of draft picks and they can go yeah. any direction in a and a ton of cap space so um yeah i i think the bears will be highly aggressive coming up in off season we'll see what it turns into uh, but it's a good situation for a new coach and a new GM, though.
0: Doesn't reflect kindly, though, on the 2021 quarterback draft class. When a guy in Fields who is last in the league in completions mm-hmm. and attempts, worst on target passer rate, is a guy we can make actually legitimate arguments for being the best quarterback in that draft. I know there's still a lot of moving parts yeah. to go. I know Michael Lombardi, who returns tomorrow, would vehemently disagree and, and say there's no way he's, he's been on record as saying that. Fields is not an NFL quarterback. But that just shows you how bad the parts around him have been. Right. And you wonder now, though, at least for Chicago, how that will look with a lack of personnel on on the defensive Mm -hmm. side of the ball and how those pieces they've given up are going to help their respective new teams. Roquan Smith, the latest to go here. And you have a Baltimore team that's 24th against the run, 25th against the pass so far. What does he do to that unit?
2: Yeah. You know, um, I I, I think he adds an element that they need. Like um, the back end of the Ravens, they're aging. Uh, Even parts of the front end are aging. Clay is camel and stuff like that. But uh, they're not going to be able to line up and play man-to-man across the board like they normally have been able to do over the years. And uh, I I think Roquan Smith uh, this year will step in and help them against the run. Uh, But he also is very effective in the passing game, whether he's uh, covering somebody, which is a matchup situation. Uh, There you go from, from a Roquan Smith. And I think Baltimore explored the rest of their schedule. Uh, And really looked at how this player, this one player can impact that defense. And you pressure the quarterback if you can uh, disrupt or make the quarterback panic if you can. But uh, you got to hold up uh, in a passing game. And I think Roquan Smith is is highly effective in doing that. Uh, He's a playmaker. uh, And and on that side of the ball right now, Baltimore needs more playmakers if they can find him.
0: And he comes into a team that is five and three, Mm -hmm. is now heavy favorites at minus 350 to win the AFC North. And as you look at the schedule right now, This is one of the weird NFL quirks we have this season where Baltimore, because of the Thursday night game last week, going into the Monday night game this week at New Orleans and then a buy in week 10, will play one game over a three week span here. And you can't think about how this team has been so injury ravaged dating back to the start of last year, heading into this Monday night in New Orleans, tight end Mark Andrews questionable with knee and shoulder injuries leading Mm -hmm. target. Man as a tight end this season. Wide receiver Rashad Bateman is expected to be out a few weeks with a foot injury. And then you have issues at running back where J.K. Dobbins is already on IR. Gus Edwards questionable with a hamstring entering this week. I wonder how you look at Baltimore <laughs> after, you, after a slog of this week where money is coming into the Saints in the market. We can get into that game in a little bit. Mm-hmm. Now down to two and a half or threes juiced to the Saints side in some of these spots with the Ravens a short road favorite here. But... For Baltimore, let's just pretend we're now looking at this in, say, November 15th or so when we're coming out of a bye. How how does it profile, at least after
2: this recent stretch here where you get just the one game in three weeks? No, I I think it profiles nicely because you're getting that break, uh, Ben. You're getting load management without doing load management. I mean, if you think about it, right? And and so an aging roster situation, uh, they need a break. And the bye week falls perfectly for Baltimore. Then look at the schedule, too, after the bye week. Uh, for this football team they, they got a losing record team coming up by week a losing record team coming up a losing record team coming up another losing record team coming up but then pittsburgh and so the big boy is obviously cleveland uh to start december so you've added roquan smith by that time against cleveland he'll be acclimated to this defense and and, and fitting in well that's the plan anyway uh but then this team should be highly rested Uh, as they do make that stretch run. So I I see why a lot of people are gravitating towards Baltimore as being one of those upper echelon teams that can get hot, uh, because that's what the league is now turned into. Which team can get hot down the stretch the last two years we saw it on the nfc side tampa bay and then the rams win Bowls. best team record wise
0: still for the final eight games after this week against new orleans and the saints you could
2: throw them in bump them in
0: this category as well no team better than 500 right now for baltimore over the nine weeks still to go (laughs) when we return we mentioned it's been a busy day today on trade deadline day in the nfl but a firing in indianapolis how will that move the needle on the colts with the oc out
1: You're listening to the Lombardi Line on
2: v With Ben Wilson and Mike Pritchard.
0: Get everything v has to offer for the rest of the football season for only $99. Sign up now and get v Pro access all the way through the Super Bowl, including our Pro Picks Daily Recap of the Top Plays made by v Show hosts and guests. Pro tools like our exclusive betting splits. Pro tips with actionable insights to up your betting game. Deep Dive Daily Betting Reports on the NBA, NHL, and MLB Playoffs plus our upcoming college basketball, college bowl, and Super Bowl betting guides. Give yourself an edge. Visit VEASAN.com slash subscribe to get your $99 midseason special today. That's VEASAN.com slash subscribe. We told you. Trade deadline day. Expect some moves. Trade alert. We have this coming in during the break, and this is partially because of an injury now that is just being reported in Minnesota, where tight end Irv Smith Jr. is dealing with a high ankle sprain, expected to miss multiple weeks. Mike, what do the Vikings do? They've gone out and gotten themselves a tight end on deadline day in the NFL, and it's within the division. T.J. Hawkinson traded from Detroit to Minnesota, just breaking within the last
2: five minutes. When you see a trade like that in the division, how do you react? Well, in the division is interesting. I mean, Detroit uh, sitting at 1-6, and, six and uh, they fired a defensive coach. And, I mean, the, the writing's on the wall a little bit. I don't know what they're going to do uh, with Campbell, but it is a precursor when – uh, you are willing to trade within a division in a player that you drafted, I believe it was a first rounder, right? Hawkinson, a tight end from Iowa. I want to say he was a first rounder. Like you think about him uh in the in uh, the mold of Kittle and and Noah Fan, you know, all these tight ends. And um he's a he's a playmaker. Now how he's gonna fit uh with this Vikings offense is is going to be very, very interesting because he can run too. Uh and you got Justin Jefferson. I know Adam Thielen is getting banged up a little bit. Uh, They got uh, K.J. Osborne, too, who's decent. Uh, But you're bringing to the mix a tight end that's averaging 15 yards per reception uh, right now. Uh, A play-action weapon, too. Uh, But the trade within the division from Detroit to the Vikings, I, I think that's a precursor. Uh, to so much more that could happen out there in Detroit. Hawkinson, the ninth overall pick yeah. in 2019.
0: Oh. Head coach Dan Campbell is now 4-19-1 as mm-hmm. head coach of the Lions, and this was a team that had 98% of the money bet to its win season season win total of over right five and a half. Thank you, Hard Knocks. <laughs> hard Knocks bump. <laughs> right. At least in the betting market, not in real life and reality. And this no. team now sits at one and six. You look at it, though, from the, the from the Minnesota part of this. Mm. It's a 6-1 team mm-hmm. that still does not look convincing from the eye test on a week-to-week basis. Numbers indicate about an average defense, 17th overall on EPA per play, allowed basis, 13th on offense, yet they're 6-1. and one. Five straight wins have been brilliant, perfect, right. in one-score games. Every single win this season has been, and they have not had a loss by one score. It's a Minnesota team now that is at least trying to bolster up a big position at tight end. How much stronger do you view this this being for them? And, and, and is Minnesota a real team? Should we be putting them into that top 10 power rankings mold that most people have been reluctant to do with them? So
2: you far? know, Ben, I don't think we should look at Minnesota sideways anymore, though. I mean, I, I think uh, maybe we did a little bit because of the nature of Kirk Cousins. And, okay, you got this young coach uh, uh, coming along, first-time head coach. And, uh, yeah, he's touched McVay, but... Uh, how successful is he going to be? And then that roster, how good is it? I mean, I think everybody was curious about the roster on the defensive side of the ball. But the Vikings are undefeated at home this year. Kirk Cousins going into the game last week has never won five straight starts in his career. Okay, check that now. He's done it. Um, the Vikings are now 6-1, and like you mentioned, the first time since 2009. So I think you have to look at this team differently, a get better league. I think there's signs that the defense is getting better for Minnesota. Uh, Now, offensively, you had a a TJ Hawkinson and that type of guy at tight end, uh, along with everything else on that offense. The only thing that's been missing for me for Kirk cousins is to elevate the offense to play and understand the nuances of this system. Uh, How different is he than, than the, you know, Matt Stafford going into this Mm -hmm. offense and then going to a Super Bowl. Now, I'm not suggesting he's Matt Stafford. No, I'm not doing that. But this offense allows you at quarterback, if you understand the nuances, to elevate the offense. So uh, they're adding along the way, no different than what the Rams did uh, with a similar system uh, when you pick up a guy that was drafted ninth overall a few years ago.
0: And now fourth in the NFC betting market from BetMGM on the Futures perspective, plus 650 behind Dallas, who's at 5.5-1, to Niners plus 450 and the Eagles at two to one starting to get a little more respect in the betting markets from the future's perspective. Now Mm -hmm. that they do look in complete control in that NFC North, five straight wins for the Vikings all by a single score. I forgot the one blowout. It was over Green Bay in week number one. But since then, all the wins have been by that single scoreline margin. That's why there's been a little bit of hesitance to just adopt Mm -hmm. Minnesota as a contender in the NFC. The other big news of the day today, this happened right. They before had a chance we to beat Miami, in
2: though, didn't they?
0: Oh, they I, well, they
2: won the game. So well, I mean, I mean it, it, that's right. I'm trying to think of the game. Well, Philadelphia, it, they, it, were, yeah, they, they were. They got decimated. Yeah, yeah, they did. I the was thinking. Game. I was thinking that game was closer for, for some reason. I thought Miami money might have won that, but no. Okay, there you go. Thank you for that. It was the, the Miami game. We were outgained by yeah 200 yards, yeah. and yet we're plus three, right. I believe, in They're, the turnover
0: okay. margin. And, yep found a way to I have that one mixed up you, with and there's a, well, there's only been <laughs> eight weeks a kajillion games I mean, you got oh, right. teaser syndicates playing games <laughs> all over running, the right? place you could be forgiven for man, right. misremembering appreciate one, you one off game <laughs> the other news of the day though is in indianapolis last week we saw quarterback matt ryan benched in favor of sam ellinger made his first career start this past week but yet again colts had issues down the stretch blow a late nine point lead lose by one 17 16 to washington and with an Indianapolis team now sub-500, we see another person on the chopping block, this time not a player but a coach, and it's offensive coordinator Marcus Brady, who was promoted to that position when Nick Sirianni left before the start of last season to take the Philadelphia Eagle head coaching job. Brady out, Colts 3-4-1 among the worst offensive teams in the league, bottom three in points per game. They've turned the ball over, tied for the most with anybody else, mm-hmm. In the nfl where do the colts go now from here
2: well i, I mean i don't know
0: this is that, just preserve that laugh yeah. and, and apply it to the colts and that says it all
2: because you're like where do they go from here when they're scapegoating um you know poor poor marcus <laughs> here who gets fired you know the whole accountability thing uh is very interesting here for the colts because it, has it been a coordination was it even matt ryan's fault i mean Uh, Sam Ellinger I thought he was supposed to be the spark he's got the special sauce or something like that right was those quotes from Frank Reich and uh, was that Matt Ryan or was that Sam Ellinger again I'm mixing up some some cliches and quotes here but you fire an offensive coordinator who doesn't call the plays (laughs) I mean I think it takes talent to call plays right Frank and uh, Nick Sirianni is no longer there he's winning and he's undefeated uh, in Philly uh, so your move right now with a struggling offensive line, an offensive line that's not even tough, uh, and your move is to fire your coordinator. There you go. That, that'll earn credibility in the locker room for sure. Absolutely, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, you got Kevin Mawai on that staff. You have Reggie Wayne on that staff. I mean, you, you have some legends uh, on that staff. But yet, yep, your knee jerk or your answer to all your problems is to fire the coordinator. When you are the guy calling the place. You know, the thing about play callers that are head coaches, this is what they do. They do have the coordinators uh, and they go over the game plan. In fact, they watched the coordinator in the game plan in practice and they approve or disapprove what they like. So if you don't like anything, get it, get your behind, I won't say something else, get your behind in there uh, and fix it, right? Because you're the one calling the plays. Uh, but nope, there you go. Here you go, scapegoat. is everybody else's fault except yours. Uh, And and to me, that just lacks credibility uh, right now in that locker room.
0: Speaking of a lack of credibility, when the story comes out about Matt Ryan's benching and it says the quote was in the ESPN story at the time of the benching in favor of Sam Ellinger, it was a decision partially influenced by owner Jim Irsay. (laughs) What does that say about your ability to, to lead a team? If your owner is basically telling you. For a guy that it was so blatantly obvious mm-hmm. bottom five statistics across the board for Matt Ryan over the hill in in the particular system in Indy and it takes the owner saying
2: hey man you got to put an end to this what does that say about Reich as a leader well not a lot because you've had what eight quarterbacks I think and um, half of them are closer to my age than the <laughs> age of the players that they're playing yeah. with right uh, and so <laughs> I, I, I mean Obviously, they miss Nick Sirianni. Uh, you know, you're going to fire your coordinator this quickly, but there, there's so many other issues. It, you can just watch the tape, and the, the offensive line is a shell of itself. It's not even a tough situation. Uh, Quentin Nelson, I don't know what happened to that guy. Uh, he's an all-pro, right? He's supposed to be Kelly, the center is all-pro or pro bowler, and, but they're just not, a, they're not an offensive line that's getting pushed. And, and I mentioned Kevin Malai. I played with him uh, in Seattle, and obviously, he's a Hall of Famer. He's an offensive line coach. And I'm, I'm baffled by the regression of that offensive line, that unit, but yet you got Ballard as a GM. You're not gonna fire him. You're not gonna fire Frank Reich right now either if you're Ursay. Uh, I think this is another precursor to a lot more happening with this organization, uh, certainly in offseason.
0: And you're still within a division that's relatively wide yeah. open. Titans have moved now to a heavy favorite, minus 275. But still, everybody within a couple games, Titans have won the five straight now to take a stranglehold on that division in the AFC South. Well, there have been a move, though, to the Colts. They are getting some money in the market against the Patriots. That opened okay. six this week in Foxboro, down to five in some spots or five and a half. So maybe a little boost here for the Colts this week. Fire the offensive coordinator this morning in Marcus Brady. When we return, our VC analyst Will Hill, he has plays ready to go. Week number nine in the National Football
2: League. That's next on the Lombardi Line. You're listening to the Lombardi Line on v With Ben Wilson and Mike Pritchard.
0: Baseball fans can make every World Series at-bat mean more than ever with BetMGM, an official sports betting partner of Major League Baseball. Download the BetMGM app today and add a new level of excitement to the on-field action. When you sign up, you'll enjoy instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, Live betting options, player props, boosted odds specials, and the best daily promotions in the business. With the trust of MGM Resorts, the BetMGM app is the perfect way to experience the excitement of wagering on the World Series. Download the app and take the king of sportsbooks with you wherever you go. Step up to the plate, sign up today, and find out why nothing beats a win with BetMGM. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. 21 years of age, you're older to wager. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Mississippi, Nevada, or New York. As we told you last segment on the Lombardi line, trades coming into today uh, today on trade deadline day in the National Football League. We have a few more particulars, Mike, on this TJ Hawkinson trade from Detroit to Minnesota. As I look down here, get the report from Adam Schefter, breaking this news, Vikings getting a 2023 fourth-round pick and a conditional 2024 fourth, in addition to the tight end Hawkinson, while Minnesota sends back to Detroit a second-round pick next year Mm. and a 2024. Third round pick again, yeah. a guy for TJ Hawkinson who is only in his fourth season ninth overall pick in the 2019 draft you just said, over 15 yards a reception. So right the hall that certainly seems slanted toward the Minnesota Vikings in this particular case and we can now get Will Hill's thoughts on this trade as well because will joins us every single Tuesday on the show at not the Will Hill. What do you think of this move? Will for both of these teams Minnesota at six and one and uh, Detroit here struggling mightily at one and
1: six. Yeah, maybe I would have thought twice before I fired on Washington plus the three and a half a game. I'm sure we'll get to, but looks like a good deal for Minnesota. I'm not sure why Detroit, look, I know you're not winning games with them, so you could use that theory of, hey, might as well just stock up on the picks, but he's really good. He's really young. You're not getting a ton back. I think, you know, once everything washes out, it's almost like Detroit's just getting a two where, you know, there's a lot of moving parts here, but for Minnesota, I I think it's a good move. I mean, they need defense more than offense, but that's about as good a a group of skill players as there is in the league with Cook. Thielen, Jefferson Osborne now you throw in Hawkinson they haven't really gotten much out of the tight end position or Smith's been a little disappointing you know they got a good backup back in Madison that's a that's a hell of a, a, a you know a group of weapons a group of skill guys there for the Vikings that's about as good as anybody in the league
2: yeah it really is I mean as you were just reciting that roster right there I'm like oh my goodness does that sound pretty good now maybe the disrespect or if there is any because the market will you, you mention it okay you're you're catching three and a half points. Uh, with the commanders at home, it opened at two and a half, but yet uh, with that much firepower, is still sitting at three and a half right there. And, and I don't think the commanders are that great of a, uh, of a defense uh, from, a, from a scheme standpoint. But you're thinking and uh, taking the commanders here, uh, no immediate impact from the Hawkinson news already. So uh, what's your thought process with this game?
1: I just thought this would close three. Maybe the Hawkinson addition keeps it at three and a half. I just, I know Minnesota six and one, they're probably going to clinch the division by Thanksgiving with how badly green Bay's played, but I'm just not that impressed. I think if you dig a little deeper, it's really not as impressive as the six and one would indicate. They're averaging 5.4 yards per play on offense. They're allowing 5.9 on defense. So this is a six and one team that's getting outgained by a half a yard per play. We're in week nine. They've still only played two true road games and they will be on the road this week. Uh, They got buried that Monday night in Philly. They beat Teddy Bridgewater and Skylar Thompson in Miami, but Miami outgained them by 250 yards. So now you're getting a a third road game. They haven't been impressive on the road so far. I think they're a different team in Minnesota with that crowd noise. They're not going to have that this week. And uh, I think if you look at Washington, it's certainly not a great team. Four and four, though, they're better with Heineke, I think, than Wentz. I think that's pretty clear. They do have a decent front seven defensively. Uh, Like I said, Heineke's not great, but I think he's serviceable. To me, look, Minnesota plays a ton of close games. All of their wins are by one possession. They they don't have any great wins. You know, it's the Lions, the Bears, all come from behind fashion. Uh, The Saints, those backups, remember, that was a crazy London game where, you know, the field goals are doinking everywhere. So um, I, I just, I like the points here. And one thing I don't think we talk about enough, Minnesota does not have a good kicker. That guy, Joseph, misses kicks every yeah. week. And, mm-hmm. you know, we sit here, we spend all these times talking about these games from all these different angles. A lot of the time, it just comes down to the kicker. I mean, look at Atlanta, Carolina, and uh, Minnesota does not have a reliable kicker. Seems like they never have a reliable kicker. that has been a bugaboo for years. So that's a little, uh, a little, you know, a- addition to the handicap there, which I don't think we spend enough time on worrying about these kickers. But I do like Washington uh, plus the three and a half. You're so right on yeah. that, Will. Falcons
0: yeah. money line, I had that on Sunday. Never in doubt, baby. Nope. Never <laughs> had to sweat for <laughs>
1: (laughs) even a microsecond
0: as far as the Detroit line we you mentioned will Washington and Minnesota not much movement still at the Minnesota minus three and a half going to Washington we have seen though the Packers back up now to three and a half in the wake of the Hawkinson trade away from Detroit to Minnesota early movement was to Detroit down to a flat three Green Bay going to Detroit this coming Sunday that's now three and a half basically everywhere let's look at another closely lined game will you're looking at a divisional matchup in the NFC West Seattle, the betting public's darling here. They win again and get the cash finally vanquishing the New York Giants. I know you're out there on the East Coast. That giant Cinderella run, at least for one week, put to an end in Seattle. Getting points once again, and this time in Arizona on the road. We just saw the matchup a couple weeks ago, Will. Arizona looked awfully anemic on offense, putting up just nine points. What do you think happens in matchup number two between these teams?
1: I like the Seahawks. I think we're getting the better team, getting points here. Um, if you look at Seattle, it's funny, you know, we spend all this time talking about the draft and it really as much time as we talk about it. It doesn't really move the over unders or the future significantly. Big reason is we don't really know anything about the draft until we see these guys play. So you come into this season, you think of Seattle's roster is one thing, but what you watch them play, they're getting a huge contribution from this rookie class, whether it's Walker woolen uh, Bryant, they picked cross early. They, it's a hell of a rookie class. They really hit a home run uh, with all these draft picks and, I think this closes around to pick them. There's still some twos out there. To me, Seattle is very live to win the division. I'd still favor San Francisco, but uh, Seattle to me is like a 9-10 win team. I don't think this is just a good story anymore with Geno Smith. I think this is a legitimately good team with weapons, a, a, a solid quarterback, a defense that's getting better. I like
2: Seattle here. You know, Will, I, I'm not making a habit of myself of laying double digits. Uh, you have a play here with Kansas City, uh, and, and I think you're laying 12. Now, the thought process, I guess for me, uh, on the other side of uh, Buffalo, and Josh Allen was Aaron Rodgers, and you see the number and the outcome of that game. But laying double digits in the NFL uh, this year has been tricky. What did you see in this matchup, though?
1: Yeah, maybe that's why we're getting a little value here because I'm like you. I don't like t- laying double digits. I don't like laying any points. These games are just too random. But to me, this is a nightmare matchup for yeah. the Titans without Tannehill. Look, uh, the t- the Titans were able. It's clear they don't trust Willis. He's not ready yet this is not a situation where you could just go into Kansas city against the chiefs off of a buy and just hand the ball off every down and live to tell about it. You're, you're going to fall behind early. I could see it being, you know, 10, nothing chiefs early. And if you get in a game script where Willis has to pass either stick to the run and, and that's not a good scenario, or you make Willis throw the ball, you know, in a hostile road environment, that's not a good scenario to me, the situation where the chiefs get up early and build a lead. And uh, I think the chiefs win this game and win it comfortably. I, I know you're getting expensive here at 12 and a half, but, Once you get over the 11, those are sort of dead numbers, the 12, 12 and a half. So I think the Chiefs win this by two touchdowns plus. I would not be shocked if this is, I don't know, 37 to 7, 37 to 10. I just don't know that the Titans are going to score a lot of points. And remember, the Titans buried the Chiefs last year right around this time. Mm -hmm. I think it was 24 to 3, 27 to 3. So maybe the Chiefs here not only off a bye, but a little revenge back of their mind. They're not going to let that happen again. So I think the Chiefs roll here
0: quick movement too to the Chiefs this mm-hmm. opened 11 mm-hmm. at most books somewhere at 10 and a half Sunday night widely market opened at 11 and we're seeing this all the way up some books touching 12 and a half so will Hill looking to lay 12 with Kansas City and along with the Chiefs uh, you added a player who used to be part of Kansas City's offense you think about where the futures market stands will we're a little over halfway into the season now as we roll into week nine. Uh, what, to, what player did you add to the portfolio here who, again, has some former ties to Kansas City, and what was your reasoning behind that?
1: Tyreek Hill, Offensive Player of the Year, 7-1. to No wide receiver has ever gotten 2,000 receiving yards. Now, of course, he's got the 17th game, so if he breaks the receiving record, I believe held by Kelvin Johnson, 1963, you have to throw that asterisk in there. But uh, last year, Cooper Cup got 19 and change. Um, you know, Calvin Johnson holds the record 19 and change Tyree Hill through eight games has 961 yards. And it's funny. He's only got two touchdowns. So he's going to have to add on a few more touchdowns, obviously to win this award. But usually the offensive player of the year goes to the best non quarterback. Usually the MVP is the best quarterback. Offensive player of the year is the best, you know, receiver or running back. I just think Hill has a legitimate chance to get to 2000 yards. Cause remember, it's not like you can double him. Like you do cup, you got waddle on the other side to worry about mm-hmm. and, at 961 here through eight games. If he gets the 2000 yards, he's going to have a very good chance to win this award. Mm, I like that. 8 to 1 at yeah. MGM right now. Hurts,
0: Allen 1-2 right. and Hill in a tie with Lamar Jackson right now. Real quick before we let you go, Will. Texans and Philadelphia. Thursday night, what do you have in this play?
1: Yeah, we got the uh, the Philly Houston, Philly Houston Thursday night with the baseball in the World Series and the NFL. Yeah. I like the under here. I think we know Philly's MO. Get a big lead, take the foot off the gas, run the ball, run the clock. We saw the Titans just run the ball relentlessly against uh, Houston last week. I think, Phil, you have a similar script. Not look for style points. Just get a big lead, run the ball. So I think this will stay under the 44. I don't think Houston will score a lot of points. So usually tend to lean towards these unders on Thursday night anyway. Yeah. Houston hosting Philadelphia both in
0: the baseball and in the football on Thursday night. Will Hill at Not The Will Hill. Always great to catch up with you, sir. Best of luck with the picks this week. All right. Thanks for having me, guys. See ya. Just saw a note on this uh, Detroit interdivision trade. Mm -hmm. First time since Mike Pritchard was a wide receiver for the Seattle Seahawks. The Lions have traded in the division. I'll have a nugget for you when we return. Hour number two of the Lombardi line. It starts next.